0: Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here to study once again about your plan for your church in these last days. And Lord, I just pray that you'd please draw close to us once more, guide us with your Holy Spirit. As we open the Bible, please open our hearts and our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go to... Second Chronicles, <clears throat> we're gonna go through the Bible a bit here for a while. And I wanna look at a couple of things, but this is the missing ingredient, I believe, in many churches today. I've I've talked about it um, before in the previous session, but I didn't focus on it. But 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. <clears throat> Second Chronicles. Chapter seven and verse fourteen. I see you have it. Is it highlighted in your Bible? It's a famous text, but uh, the question to me is, how many people really apply it? That's the sad part. That's the sad part that I find. Um, but Second Chronicles, Chronicles seven fourteen. The Bible says here, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, of all things, God wants us to be a people of prayer today. You know, we focus so much on methods. Methods and methods and events and activities. Um, but God wants us to pray. If, you know, prayer is the answer to Everything. It is the answer to everything. Every question we have, every problem we have, this is the answer to why our churches are so dead. I shared with you in the last session, for those that were here, the average pastor, and I'm not talking about the average Christian, the average pastor prays five to seven minutes a day. The average pastor prays five to seven minutes a day. That's really sad. You know, if the average pastor is praying that little, how much less would the lady be praying? You know, it's a really serious question that we need to reflect on in our own lives. How much time, don't don't answer me, but how much time do you spend in prayer every day? Is it something that's so emphasized, we know it's important, but yet how many of us really do it? You see, to take that time, to spend time with God in prayer. Let's go to another text. Matthew chapter 9. We looked at this just now. <clears throat> but now we're going to look at it with new eyes. Matthew chapter 9. And we're starting in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes who moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered as abroad as sheep having no shepherd, And then Jesus says, what? The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then tell me the next word. Pray. Pray Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, He will send laborers into His harvest. What are we missing? It's prayer. Prayer, prayer, and prayer. It's so simple, isn't it? But once again, how many of us really spend time in prayer? I was challenged on this. I was, I was brought again to think about this just last month. And I reevaluated my own prayer life. And I found that it was not where it ought to be. I don't pray enough as a pastor. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'll be the first to admit it. I don't pray enough as a pastor. Never mind a Christian. You know, this is a position that's meant to be spiritual, When I first started the work, I remember this pastor came up to me. He said, Ben, don't ever forget, 70% of the pastor's work is done on his knees. 70% of the pastor's work is done on his knees. We know all of this. We know, right? But how many of us really, really come to God and take the time to pray? We know all the illustrations, all the stories. Um, Martin Luther, and a great controversy. Ellen White says what? When Martin Luther he was busiest that day. Guess what he did? He spent twice the amount of time in prayer. We know all these great illustrations. Have you guys heard of? You um, see, I forgot his name was. Uh, he was from England. He set up orphanages. What's his name? george Mueller, that's it he was a man of prayer i read through his autobiography when he you know he fed thousands of kids at the orphanage they had no food no food at the table in the morning kids let's pray they prayed at the end of it the door knocked the people came men of prayer but how many of those people are there out today i hope we all can really come back and focus on this one thing You know why it's a spiritual problem when we don't evangelize it's a spiritual issue and it begins with prayer it ends with prayer we must learn to bathe everything with prayer how many of you guys keep prayer journals any do you write down prayer requests that you look at every day on a daily basis that you pray for I want encourage you to start doing that. I've only just started doing that recently. I write on my iPad, on my to-do list. I have a list of all the prayer requests that I have. The smallest to the biggest. God, I need a youth leader. I've been praying for five, six months for a Bible worker, so I'm hoping God will answer that one sometime soon. But I, everything, I just give it to God in prayer. Lord, convert these people. We're told that we can never, ever be successful in conversion without prayer. So many things. Let's go to another one. Mark 11. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11 and verse 17. Mark 11 verse 17. Jesus, towards the end of His ministry, and He did this at the beginning, but He never said this at the beginning of His ministry. He overturned the tables of the, the, the people in the sanctuary, and the people were being you know, robbed of their money right there in the temple. And Jesus comes here and He says, Is it not written, My house shall be called what? A house of prayer for all nations. And you've made it a den of thieves. You know what the church's focus needs to be? It's not evangelism. It's prayer. I want my church, and I've been focusing on this, I want my church to become a church of prayer. When you've got a church that prays, amazing things happen when you've got people coming together and you pray god we want 50 baptisms this year and the whole church prays that they will all go out and work you see that when you pray for money lord we have a one million dollar debt and we all come together and pray together for that we become more liberal with our money you see prayer not only changes the world it changes you And we need to learn to begin to pray. God, help me to minister to this person that I'm studying with. And when we pray for that person, we become more aware of what we should do to help that person to come to Jesus. You see? Prayer is that missing thing. Church is not about giving the Bible, the Word of God and preaching. It's not about singing. It's not about Sabbath school. It's about prayer. This is what Jesus said. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And you know what? We could be very well robbing God even today, not in tithes and offerings. That's not my point. But we have made church what it isn't today. And in the same way, we're repeating the history of the Jewish nation, right? But you see, what goes with prayer? Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. When we pray, what, what really should we be asking for? In verse 22, it says, In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive, right? Why is it that we don't always receive? We ask for the wrong thing. Or what else? Uh, Unselfish motives. Anything else? Not believing? Okay. Definitely. Sorry? Pray with things? What do you mean? Of sin, sin, of course. If we have regard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear. Anything else? There's one more. We pray... At the wrong time So God delays the answer. you see? So there are a multitude of reasons, but we have to believe that God will answer. But there is one prayer that apart from the conversion of your own heart, salvation of your soul, that God will always hear and answer. Let's go to this. Um, Mark Matthew, sorry, chapter seven. and verses seven starting in verse 7. So Matthew 7, verse 7. This is a, a, a scripture song. We, we always think it's a, a praise song, but really it's taken from the scriptures. Ask and it shall be given unto you, right? Seek and ye shall find. This is where it's taken from. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8. For every one that ask, asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will you give him a stone? Have you ever seen a father do that? <laughs> Dad, can I have some bread? Here, son, have a stone. No, right? It's an impossibility. We can never imagine that. I mean, we can imagine the father not giving him anything, but we can't imagine a father giving his son a stone when he asks for bread. Verse 9 Or if he asks a fish, will you give him a serpent? Ever seen a dad give (laughs) their son a serpent before instead of a fish? These are like so... Jesus, Jesus is giving these illustrations and they're so extreme, right? It's like, no way. Look, this will never happen. What on earth are you talking about, right? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him. God, He is willing to give us good things. Let me ask you this question. Does God want His church to grow? (laughs) Does God want His church to grow? Is that something we should be asking for? Do you think it's bad to ask God for 20 baptisms? Do you think it's bad to ask for Fifty baptisms? How about a hundred? There was this pastor. When he began pastoring, he came out of Andrews, and he he was my professor that when I'm studying um, uh, church growth, he shared with us his story. When he came out of Andrews, he was, you know, as every young person is, ready to do God's work, and he wanted to be an expert in church growth. So he was given this church, about 40 people, 40 people. It used to be about uh, over 100, and it dwindled down to about 40 people regularly attending. He said, great, dead church. (laughs) Love it. Now I can prove myself as a pastor, and I can grow this church. And he worked, and he, he did all these things with his wife as well. They didn't have children at that time. And for two and a half years, he was working. At the end of the two and a half years, there was a grand total of 30 people. It shrunk. And he was so discouraged. He was so discouraged and was like, look, maybe pastoring work is not for me. He was at his computer writing his resignation and the doorbell rang and he went off and his wife came and read the the, 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 the letter that he was writing to resign. And he says, what are you doing? He had had an engineering degree before and he said, it's better for me to just go back to engineering. Ready to throw in the towel and quit. And his wife turned around and asked him, have you been praying? Have you been praying for your church? He said, no, I haven't. At the end of the, all of his, you know, of course pastors say, of course we do pray, but really, if we're to be honest with ourselves, we need to learn to pray. And so his wife said, okay, every Monday you go to church and you pray for your people, your church members. The first Monday he went off, and he said, Okay, I'm going to spend the whole day in prayer. And he went to the prayer and he went to the pews where each member sits. You know, we're all creatures of habit. You sit in the same place. You sit in the same place as before, right? We're creatures of habit like that. So he went to the place where this family sat. He knelt down and he prayed. For five minutes after that, he fell asleep for eight hours. <laughs> he never slept in the afternoon, he said. When he went home, he was so refreshed. His wife said, How did it go? He said, Great. That's all he said. The next week he went back there, Monday, prayed again. Six minutes he fell asleep. Eight hours, went home again. Great, that was great. You know what the biggest hindrance for praying is? It's ourselves. The greatest challenge that we have in praying is ourselves, because we're not used to it. But he said over time, the more he prayed, the longer he got, the more he had to pray about, you know. And if we learn to pray for the people that we're ministering to, we have a whole lot to pray about. Oh, I pray for my church members. God, please be with my church today. Watch over every single one of them. Man, you can be done in a minute. And you can tell people, I've prayed for my church. But if you go through their names individually, and you tell them of their need or what they're struggling with, The Lord, I feel like they're a bit resistant to Sabbath. Please help them. Convict them. Show them. Show me what I can do. You know? When you begin to pray like that, it changes not only that person, but also you. And you find that your prayer life increases. The time that you actually spend, not that we're going righteousness by works. Okay, don't get me wrong. We're not going righteousness by works path. But if you're only spending five to seven minutes with God in prayer every day, it's not a very strong relationship. You see that? But what is this good gift that God is willing to give His children? Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. It's the parallel passage It's exactly the same as what we just read before, but we're told what we ought to ask for. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 9, okay? Luke 11 and verse 9. The Bible says, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Same passage that we read in Matthew 7, right? For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Verse 11 If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now, verse 13 is where we're understanding what this good gift that God is so willing to give us. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to them that ask. Do you know what we're missing in all of this? The Holy Spirit. Many of us as we read or ministers should I say the quote that I showed in the previous session many of us are a day's journey from God. We have the form, but we don't have the real connection with Christ. If we had that living connection with Jesus, our church would be different, as would our life. Guaranteed. I have no doubt about it, because the Holy Spirit will show you what to do. The Holy Spirit will show you what to say. The Holy Spirit will show you what you need to do for your church or how to plan the Holy Spirit will give you a vision for which that you can inspire your young people or the church members or whoever you come in contact with to work with you the Holy Spirit would guide your path pray for the Holy Spirit every day because without this we have nothing Jesus it's, it's like having Jesus with you Christ said if I don't go I can't send a comforter to come. And that's exactly what the book of Acts was doing. You know the book of Acts, it's all about prayer and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Did you know that? It's all about prayer and the Holy Spirit. Yes, there are other facets in there in terms of evangelism and going out and spreading the gospel, but that only came as a result of prayer and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 you guys are you guys familiar with Acts chapter one? What were they doing in Acts chapter one? At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus he was he just ascended up to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Taken out of their sight. But then what did they do? They were fasting and praying. Fasting and praying? What else? So yes. prayer is there, they were fasting. Anything else? A new disciple. They chose the new disciple? What 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 do we learn from that? What were they doing? They prayed before they chose the disciple. Absolutely. So the prayer is there, definitely. The fasting, and then they, they chose the new disciple. But what what can we learn from that in applying it to our day today? Well, we so first? Okay, definitely. But how about the choosing of the new disciple? What is that to us? What were they doing? Why were they choosing a new disciple? Tell me. Replace Judas. Replace Judas okay. So what were they dealing with? Sorry, you both spoke at the same time. I say growth. Growth. In some ways they were growing, but they were getting back what they lost. The devil. The devil okay. But they were dealing with leadership. It's like, we've got to choose another person. <laughs> right? You have to choose the leaders in your church. You've got to set it ready. All your youth ministry. You have to organize. So they were praying, they were fasting, confessing their sins with one another, but they were also organizing themselves. Okay, we need to find another leader to replace Judas. They didn't just leave it, okay, Judas hung himself and he died and that's it. No, they found a replacement. Leadership succession. Very, very important. Then Acts chapter 2, what happened? Outpouring of the Holy Holy Spirit. What happened next? Before that, Acts chapter 2 spends the most time on this, this part, actually. Peter stands up in their midst, and he does what? Preaching. Preaches a sermon. Preaching. Gives the Word of God. And so, you know, it's very interesting. Maybe I should show... Oh, I wish I had a whiteboard, but... maybe I should, Okay. Oh, there is? Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Are you guys all familiar with the sanctuary? Right, you got the courtyard, then you got the holy place, and then the most holy place. Right, where are we in this? Acts chapter one and two. Sorry, we're in the holy place. This is what we have turned at the Christian disciplines, but the showbread is word of God. The candlestick. What is it? The Holy Spirit. Because you cannot be the light to the world if you're not filled with oil, which is the Holy Spirit, Zechariah. And then, the incense, prayer. God has given us the remedies to have a successful church. But what we're missing, I believe in most of all of this. In our circles, we hear the Word of God a lot if you're one of those that go to the youth conferences and you know you hear a lot of preaching we're missing the spirit the Holy Spirit and the reason why we're missing is because we're not praying all these are connected they're all connected together you cannot have these three separate from one another it is prayer that sanctifies it is the word of God that sanctifies and it is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies they're all connected together you see, the Word of God is the, the words itself, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin through these words that we read. You see, it, takes, it says it takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word work together. But the reason why we have so little of the Spirit is because we do not ask. God is willing to give it to us. It's just none of us is asking. (laughs) I want to challenge you. Revolutionize your prayer life. Every day, pray for the Holy Spirit. He will give it to you. And if you don't feel like you have it, then we've missed part of it. Let's go back to Luke chapter, chapter 11. Because it was prefaced with something before that. When he said pray and pray for the Holy Spirit, there was something else that he was illustrating just before it. Luke chapter 11. And we started in verse 9. But let's start in verse 5. Okay? What do we learn about praying for the Holy Spirit from what Jesus says just before it? He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is is in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him and he said from within trouble f- from within shall answer and say trouble me not the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed I cannot rise and give thee verse 8 though I, I say unto you though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth Who is the friend that this person is coming to? God. God. Do you see in your version, verse 5, it says a capital F friend? I don't know if it's because of the beginning of the sentence or not. Maybe it is. But this friend is God. And the other friend says what? Please, I have some friends that come. And I need to give him some bread. What does bread represent in the Bible? The word of God. God, I need to give the word of God to these people. Please, give me some. He says, I can't. But what's the reason why he gives him? It's not because he's his friend. (laughs) What's the reason? Persistence. Your version says persistence? Mm, No, mine says boldness. Boldness? Persistence? That's pretty good. The King James, it says, importunity. <laughs> um, who, who else has the King James Version? Importunity. Importunity. You know, that's like a word that I, I really don't know. I had to look it up. You know, and sometimes when we read the Bible, it's like that. We kind of know, but we don't really. And you got to make sure when you come across such words, you look it up. But because of his persistence, he gave him the bread. Many of us, we pray for the Holy Spirit, but we never get it because we stop praying. Once is not enough. You got to ask for it. But you see, what's the reason why this guy was asking for it? To feed for his not to feed his family. No? It wasn't his family, his feed his friend. Your whole spiritual life will change when you do evangelism. You're pushed to a whole new level of persistence when you're asking for somebody else's life to be changed. God, I've got to give this Bible study. Please help me to understand it. I've never taught before. Please. That's totally different to please bless this person because they're about to give a Bible study. There's no persistence in that prayer. You see, evangelism will also change your prayer life as you begin to pray for other people. So it goes hand in hand. Let me put it this way. You pray and you study. It should lead you to having a burden for souls to work for Christ. The more you work for Christ, it'll help you to grow spiritually in your prayer life as you study. And as you have more of that, you're able to give more to more people and as more people come into your life that you're witnessing to, and maybe people that are tougher to deal with or make you to think harder or pray more, it helps you with your spiritual life. Do you know why these people are able to spend so long time in prayer? Because they're praying for everybody. When I began praying for my church, (laughs) time passed by so quickly. You know how long it takes to pray for 100 people? so I stopped I prayed for 50 (laughs) but you try try praying for 5 people see how long it takes you maybe you know I want to challenge you think of 5 people that are non-adventists that are in your life I want you to pray for them every day morning and evening that will easily take you more than 5 minutes especially if they're your family Do you have family that are non adventists Do you really pray for them every day? Saying, God, please be with my brother. You know the situation he's in. Please pull him out of that. Help me to do what I can do. There's just so much we can pray for just the one person. Prayer. You must bathe your whole ministry in prayer. Or else, everything you do becomes a form and we're no better than the Sunday churches because they have that technique down better than we do. (laughs) But I want to show you a couple of quotes. Great Controversy, page 525. It is a part of God's plan to grant us in answer to the prayer of faith that which He would not bestow did we not thus ask. We are missing out on a lot by not praying many people are not being converted because we don't pray our churches are suffering because we don't pray and he wants to give it to us but he holds it back because we're not asking for it you know why? because sometimes if he were to give us these blessings and we did not ask for it we would abuse it God please help me with this and He gives us His talent. But if we didn't ask, and He gives us a talent, we might use it for something else, for our own glory's sake, you know. Great controversy, page five twenty five. This is sorry, this is a bit longer, but it's a really nice quote from Seps to Christ. Our heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of his blessing. It is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love what a wonder it is that we pray so little. God is ready and willing to hear the sincere prayer of the humblest of His children, and yet there is much manifest reluctance on our part to make known our wants to God. This is so sad. This is steps to Christ, you know. We're not talking about evangelism or great controversy here or anything. It's just what we should be teaching every believer that comes through the doors. What can the angels of heaven think of poor, helpless human beings who are subject to temptation when God's heart of infinite love yearns towards them, ready to give them more than they can ask or think, and yet they pray so little and have so little faith? The angels love to bow before God. They love to be near Him. They regard communion with God as their highest joy. And yet the children of earth, who need so much the help that God only can give, seem satisfied to walk without the light of His Spirit, the companionship of His presence. The angels in heaven, they're like, why don't they pray? Why? (laughs) They're so shocked. They can't understand us. They're looking down from heaven like, Lord, why? Why do they pray so little when we of all people need it the most? What is your prayer life like? Begin with that, end with that, but then do all you can, your part, to win souls for Christ. Sister White, I believe, says that when we pray, we should pray like all the success depends upon God. Have you heard this quote before? And that when you get up off your knees, you work like all the success depends on you. (laughs) The two go hand in hand. But she also says, those that all they do is pray, you know what will happen? they will stop praying eventually. If all you do is pray, you will stop praying. Prayer needs to be combined with action, just like faith with works. These two must go hand in hand. If you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray for, for your, your grades to be 100% and you do, never study, God cannot bless that. Right? And so when you fail, What are you going to do? Pray some more? No, (laughs) you're going to stop praying. You know why? It didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work. So, what's the use? If all we do is just pray, it's not enough. The balanced Christian has all those three things in their life the Word of God, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. You know, churches, they have prayer. We all believe in prayer, right? But you know, for us, many of us, not many of us, many churches, they have prayer with the Bible, table of showbread, and the altar of incense. But we miss the spirit of the work. And so we become ultra conservatives. (laughs) Others, they just have the spirit and prayer. What happens? All you have to do is love, because we have the fruits of the Spirit. But the balanced Christian has all three. Not to say that it's a true Holy Spirit that inspires us if we all we do is have love and no commandments or obedience to God. But, you know, when you look at this diagram of the sanctuary, this is where we need to apply the most, because which is our Christian life. You probably didn't think that outreach would focus on your devotional life, would you? (laughs) But this is what many people are missing. You probably heard it growing up, spending time with Jesus. But we must have a meaningful time with God every day. And as a result, the church will grow. The church will grow. Guaranteed. I have no doubt leaders got to get together to pray sabbath morning afternoon over skype or whatever you know our technology is far and wide let's pray together and pray like all the success depends on god and when we open our eyes and we go, god we want 30 baptisms this year i've been this year i'm praying for 20. i've never had more than 10 before except when I worked with the Bible Worker team. But I'm praying for 20 baptisms this year. This pastor, he prayed for 30. God gave him 37. The following year, he prayed for 50. God gave him 54. The following year after that, he prayed for 100. He got 99. I guess God was trying to keep him humble. (laughs) But prayer works. Prayer works. Why don't you start praying that prayer in your church? God give me 10 people in this church to be baptized this year. You're not the pastor. Even even less in some respects people look at you, you're just a young person. But you pray. And then as you pray and you work and then you get other people involved and you all begin to pray for 10 people to be baptized in that year. A uh, a church that has, has only 40, 50 people. Even a church that has 300 people. What's 10 out of 300 what's that? 3 to 4 percent do you know there are many churches that have not experienced a baptism in many years except those that grow up in the church (laughs) which even then are far and few between you know when we went to Culpeper when we did the evangelistic series in 2008 you know what people said to us you know what the church said to us It's like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Back in 2000 and back in 1995, we did a huge evangelistic series and not one person got baptized. That's what they were telling us. (laughs) Sorry? Fifteen. Fifteen people were baptized at the end of it. And they were shocked. They are like, whoa, you know? They, they were talking. You know who Chester Clark is? Anybody know who Chester Clark is? He, he went to Heartland, and he was like the wonder kid of Heartland. And so they got him to preach. They did a huge um, mail-out and everything. Peter Gregory did it as well. Dr. Stanish, the president, did it. They got no baptisms out of it. So when we came in, they were very skeptical. We flew a speaker all the way from Zimbabwe. Wonderful speaker. Changed my even thoughts on even how we should preach evangelistic series. You know, a typical evangelistic series is all the... You know, Mark of the Beast and all that and State of the Dead and He didn't preach none of those. It's just the love of Jesus. It broke their heart. People were crying in the evangelist. I've never seen it before. I was crying while I was playing the piano for appeals. You know, I had to light my eyes, like, Lord, please. You know, it's just touching. When the love of Jesus hits the person's heart, they are ready to give their life to him. But we gotta pray. We have to pray. I want to suggest a sermon for you to listen to an audio verse. It's by Martin Kim. Have you heard of him? Go to his first sermon that he ever preached. So, you, you know, they always order it by the latest. Go to the first sermon. We listened to this sermon back in 2007. It inspired us to pray, and it inspired us to work. As a Bible worker team, we didn't have much money. When the Evangelistic series came around, we needed equipment. This little Culpeper church had nothing. We had to buy a speaker, a sound system. We had to buy a keyboard. And we had to buy a video camera. You know, not the small one, the big one. And we ended up spending about 10000 because of that sermon. <laughs> we prayed and said, God, you know we need it. Now you have to take care of it. I've got it on my credit card. (laughs) And I never paid interest. It was all paid off. You work. Don't go and spend on your credit card. That's not the point of my story. But you go work, and God will open the way and bless it. You've never given a Bible study before? He's not looking for the most talented. He's looking for the willing. Just go give it. If you fail miserably, take it as a lesson and keep going. Don't say, God, I tried. See, I'm never going to give Bible study again. I told you, my first Bible study was my with my high school friend. I don't, I don't think he studies the Bible ever again because of me. Because I taught it such a boring way. It was He was bored. I knew it. I could tell. And I was bored at the end of it too. So I knew he was going to cancel it. But he He was my little experiment that God allowed me to have to grow. You know, when I was at Heartland, I gave Bible study to an old, old, old lady. No matter how bad it was, she accepted everything. She got baptized, praise the Lord. On Sabbath afternoon, I went and preached evangelistic series with my friend at the nursing home, where my training ground was. You know, go do all these things, but you pray. And then you go work and apply it. Do it. Everything will be new to you, so you'll never be ready for anything. That's why you need to pray. <laughs> you with me? So we got 15 minutes. Any questions? Any questions? I haven't given you uh, any methods in uh, this, <laughs> this session. I've just given you one ingredient that I believe is missing in all churches prayer. For example, we pray for a church growth. We have to be persistent. Or pray for anything else. We have to be persistent, which means praying and praying and praying. But why do we have to be praying the same thing over and over again? I mean, what's the difference between, like, okay, I prayed this once and I believe I have faith. Why do I have to pray again? Well, what does persistence show? Serious about it? Anything else? Yeah, I think like because you know, the biggest aspect of evangelism is when we pray to people and we want to preserve these people. If I prayed every day for a year, Lord, please lead me to lead one soul to Christ, when that person is struggling, I'm not going to just say, Well, whatever, you know, I prayed once I got one, let me pray, I'll get another one. This one wasn't good. Mm-hmm. absolutely so it reminds you to continue to work for them anything else have you been persistent with your parents before (laughs) tell me what have you been persistent with your parents about (laughs) come on we all we all been young before and asked for our parents for stuff the car mom could I have the car please let me think about it mom please can I have the car like you're begging, right? Do your parents go, beg a bit more? Maybe I'll think about it if you get on your knees. Do your parents do that? No. Why do you beg? Melt their heart. Huh? Melt their heart? Melt their heart. <laughs> you're groveling in the sand. Oh, mom! <laughs> Throwing the dirt off the air. <laughs> oh, I feel so... so. okay. Go <laughs> Not really. Why do you beg? Shows how bad you want it. (laughs) Exactly. Shows how bad you want it. We beg because we want it so bad. Have you ever begged for fried rice before? (laughs) No? Maybe because you don't like it as much as I do. (laughs) Mom, can we eat fried rice today, please? (laughs) I don't want to eat pasta. I don't want to eat noodles or whatever it is. We beg for things that we really want. And the bigger they are, the more we beg. Mom, can I have a laptop, please? An Apple one? (laughs) Right? And then you're walking by and say, like, Oh, Mom, look at that laptop. It looks so nice. You know, my friends have it and they rolled a car over it and didn't break. It's so durable. You know, you go on and you go on and you go on until it's like, All right, I'll just give it to you. Stop bugging me. That's exactly what it sounded like in the, in the parable, right? Because of his persistence, he kept, please, please, come on, my friends here, please give me some bread, please. I, I know you got gotten up, but please, I know you, please. I know you're tired, I know you, you're in bed already, please. How bad do you want it? Let me tell you a short story about prayer. In Taiwan... We pay about 35,000 NT for our apartment. Conference covers it, um, except for about 10,000. So we have to cover that. Now, it's 1 to 30. So 35,000 divided by 30 is about 1,125. We want to move because it was too expensive for us to keep going on like that, covering 10,000 every month. So I called up my wife because she's the only one that can communicate with the owner. I said, please call her up. I want to meet him. We want to talk. And we prayed first for four days. For four days. God, we really want to move. You know our motive. We don't have enough money. We got to save some money. <laughs> and we'd be praying, and we were praying, and we were praying for four days. We spoke to the owner <clears throat> on a Thursday. And I asked him, look, uh, the, the, the apartment is in bad condition in some way. So I brought out all the bad things. and I said, look, we would like to move. He's like, why? And I said, uh, it's too expensive for us. And it's not worth the money that we're paying for it. I was pretty mean in some respect, you know, putting down his apartment. But it was cheaply done, you know, and he knew it. And so I said, look, if you could please um, give us our deposit back. We gave two months' deposit." Is it two months? Yeah, two months. $70,000. So you're talking about over two thousand U.S. dollars here um, that we were could potentially lose if he didn't want to give it back to us. Or he lowers it down to thirty thousand. So from thirty-five down to thirty. The chances of us getting our deposit back, he said, was probably pretty slim. And the chances of lowering it down from thirty-five to thirty very slim as well he said I've got to go back and ask my wife and so okay we went away from this just feeling really bad it's like Lord we prayed and um, we're just going to move we're willing to lose the deposit the next day he called he said well I'll lower it to 30 we were so shocked we <laughs> it's a newly refurbished place and he gave us some furniture with it as well you know we were totally shocked it's like God I guess you want us to stay here but it's pretty clear because we pray. You see, when you pray, you have to make sure you live up to your prayer as well. If you pray for a Bible study, make sure you're willing to give it. Because <laughs> the person says, can I have a Bible study? Uh, Nope. <laughs> then why would you pray? You see? So we have to have the right heart and the right mindset to know what is God's will for us at that time. And when He answers it, follow through with your commitment as well you see it's really important but many people don't get to that stage many people today are not praying they're not spending time in prayer they're not pleading for the people that are around them asking God to convert them this pastor he gave us so many illustrations of what happened in prayer I asked him you know because at my church we all have troubled church members people that are hard or difficult to work with. I said, what do you do? He says, pray for God to convert them or remove them. (laughs) Pray for God to convert them or remove them. Give us an instance at this church. This new church he was sent to by the conference. The music was horrible. So 30 church members. Of course, not many people can play the piano or the organ, but his wife very good at music, could play the piano. And, but yet this woman was not willing to relinquish the role of the pianist. And, uh, you know, the ward says, no, we can't do that. You know, it would hurt her feelings. But he was like, what am up, my ears? It's hurting our ears every Sabbath. So he began to pray. He said, God, please, either improve her skills or remove her. A week later, she got sick for two weeks. His wife stepped in. She came back. She was happy. Everything was good. <laughs> Situation with music solved. Prayer. Prayer. Pray for everything. God will answer. He will change. Yes? But how do we know if you should keep on praying for something or just give up on it and move on? He will give you an answer eventually. And you'll realize that it was right or it was wrong but you've got to look for the indications of His providence, right? For example, when you pray, God, should I go to this university or this university? It's not mor- morally wrong, right? There are some things that you pray for that are not morally wrong. What do you do? This is now we're entering the realm of how to know God's will for our life. We're no longer on church growth. <laughs> what do you do? You submit to both and you pray, God, shut the door, whichever one you don't want me to go through. Especially if it's like, you know, a pastor here and then engineer here. Totally different, right? Of course, if you're going engineering, engineering, God may not answer. Just choose. It doesn't matter. And you make it based on your choices as well. But you ask for closed doors. Last year, I was planning to leave and not be the pastor of this church. And I asked God, Lord, if you want me to go elsewhere, or if you want me to stay, close the doors for everything else close it. But sometimes he doesn't answer until you've made your decision and you have to look back. But you see, when you pray, you have to look for these indications of how God is leading. But you will only do that when you pray. Because if you don't pray and that person passes you by, you will never know that God wanted you to minister to that person. It all comes back down to prayer. You see? And what I do as a pastor... Pray for them and then call them. Just want to let you know I've been praying for you today. Is there anything in particular that I could pray for? And they're hard to touch. They're amazed that you're praying for them. You know. So, prayer, prayer and more prayer. (laughs) I know you haven't learned anything new but I believe that this is still the church's greatest need. This is why we're still here. Because God's people aren't really where they ought to be. They're really kind of in a relationship with Christ, but they're not. They're not doing anything bad, but at the same time, they're not spending time with Him. And as a result, they're not growing. And as a result, they lose power as Christians. Prayer. All right, well, let's close. Our time is up. I hope this has been beneficial to you. Um, It just reminded me a whole lot when I was sitting in class a few months ago how little I really pray. So I want to pray for all you guys that you persist in prayer every day. Okay? Let's pray. Father, you want to do great things on this earth through your church. And Lord, your church is comprised of just people nobody special but those that are willing to give their time and their minds and their lives to you but Lord that begins in our time with you in our room in our private time where nobody sees remind us Lord how important it is to bring everything to you in prayer what a friend you are and how you desire to hear our prayers every day remind us Lord that this is the essence of Christianity not just attending seminars or giving seminars but that you would walk with us every day and so Father help us not to walk before you or behind you but beside you always and bless all my sisters here that as they go back to their churches that you'd give them wisdom to know how to work for you and show them their place in ministry also for you as well we pray in Jesus name